Welcome back to 21, episode 21 that is, and Roots and Branches, the campaign of Evangelical, New Life Evangelical Free Church here in Hastings, Minnesota. So again, numbers, 21 is a game show from the 50s that was made into a movie in 1994 called Quiz Show. And the reason I bring that up is, first of all, it's one of my favorite movies. It's definitely solid on my top 100 list, probably around 50. But um, it's a great morality tale. So there's, it's not just a Paulism to say, let me show you another number reference. (laughs) It's actually, it was a game show about 21 points, Charles Van Dorn, true story. And I often refer to the movie in my own life, both quoting it and all that. But also, it's a morality tale about objective truth. Because uh, the whole premise of the movie was, uh, in the 50s, people were so innocent, which God bless them for that, uh, they assumed all the questions were were um, spontaneous and the, the uh, people on the show just had to answer them from their knowledge but in fact they were being given the answers in advance so there was that lie really? mixed into the facade of like he was a, an erudite professor which he was but also he was being given the answers for ratings and money so it's interesting that uh, that that show is a really good morality tale about huh. innocence lost yeah. um, and again I know I'm careful not to recommend movies too much that is a PG-13 movie, but only for a little bit of language. But I'll just say that when we think of episode 21 with the Roots and Branches campaign uh-huh. and the second part of this transformational outcome about relative truth versus objective truth, that's a good movie reference I think about in the context of this number episode. That's great. And for all of you out here, uh, Paul's feeding me the answers. That's how, <laughs> that's that's, right. that's how this podcast works. That's right, yeah. Is he's, uh, you know, giving me the answers ahead of time and then I just say them out loud yeah. and sound super smart. Sure. So... <laughs> Well, where we left off last time is we're talking transformational outcomes, and we're talking moving from relative truth to biblical truth. Mm -hmm. And really what we got in the last episode was defining the nuances of what we mean when we say subjective truth and objective truth. So if you go back and listen to that one, we're not going to get into some of those details here, but trying to understand that there's not really the pure subjectivity just like isn't possible, but we all have a longing for something solid and secure and something objective that, that is true good and beautiful that we can rely upon. And ultimately that comes from God. And mm-hmm. so today we're moving to talk about uh, special revelation. And so uh, again, something we talked in the last episode was how are we going to know God? Okay. We know objectively he exists. It comes through primarily general revelation first, where there's a general sense in creation that we have, we can understand and see God's uh, uh, eternal power, His divine qualities. Mm-hmm. That we're not without, we're we're, we're not without excuse. That mm-hmm. we're culpable for sin, but we recognize that there's something more. Uh, and then special revelation is where um, we know God uh, savingly. Mm-hmm. It's where we come to know Him personally. It's where we come to know His specific, special, and intentional revelation to reveal His nature, His character, and His acts in history, whereby we know Him personally and we know how we can be saved. Yes. And we know what His plan is for all of history. That's special revelation. So how does how, what do you think of when you think of that? Phrase? I will add why we need to be saved. Yes, I think yes. of Ray Comfort, who's a wonderful evangelist. He's originally from New Zealand. He lives in California, and he starts out every cold conversation. Cold meaning he just goes up to people on the streets on the beaches of California, and he asks them uh, through very personal means. He has a, a nice dog with glasses on. It's kind of a nice shtick he has, but he can look mm-hmm. at livingwaters.com. But he asks them, "Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever uh, looked at a woman with lust?" 
Have you ever uh, uh, taken something that doesn't belong to you? And, he, and then when they eventually say, yes, 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 well, by own your admission, you're a lying, thieving, adulterer at heart, and you need salvation. So it's not, uh, <laughs> we, we need to know we need to be saved. Yeah. We need to know how we can be saved. And, uh, and then the word of God reveals all of that in addition to our own heart, which convicts us of sin through the Holy Spirit. So yeah. th- we need the word of God to tell us all those answers because we are messed up on our own. Yep. And, and that feeling of something bigger is out there and there's something wrong with me, which we talked about in the last episode. It's like that's sort of the real broad way of saying like this sense of God. Yes. That then God's special revelation answers that question. Mm-hmm. Who is that bigger reality, that true, the ultimate true thing, the ultimate true being, the ultimate truth. And then who am I and what purpose do I exist? And okay, I sense that there's something not right. I know that I've got some evil in my heart. Like I, so, or there's some things wrong with this world. Now, what do I do? And special revelation is where all of that gets answered. Yeah. And then another key point, both for evangelism, like great comfort and our study of the word of God is that we will not be judged relative to other people. We're judged relative to God's standard of holiness and only Jesus can pay for our sins and did pay for our sins because he lived a perfect life and he imputed his righteousness to us while he took away our sins. So the the one thing that the relative truth tellers in this day and age would say when they come up, are you a good person? Yes, I'm a good person. Okay, therefore have you ever lied or cheated or whatever. But no, we are not going to be judged based on the standard of human righteousness because as Isaiah said, all the righteousness are filthy rags compared to the holiness of God, and we That's need right. his salvation. That's right. You make a great point, which is, if you were asked that question, are you good? Uh, most of us immediately start to think uh, uh, about comparison. Yep, I'm not Hitler or Stalin. Yeah, at least I'm not Hitler or something, or, or whatever. At least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. And by that posturing game, you're deceiving yourself. Yes. And also not realizing that, as we said in the last episode, consequences are one thing that betray the reality of that there has to be objective truth. So if you were to uh, do that comparison game, it falls apart real fast. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we understand and know God? Well, he has revealed himself in terms of his being, who he is and his nature and his Mm -hmm. character and his attributes. But by revealing himself, it also puts everything else in life, everything else in the entire universe into uh, a relationship with him, whether it's a right relationship or a not a right relationship. Yes. Like once God reveals who he is, because he's all powerful, because he's the supreme being, then everything else has to sort of fall in the train behind uh-huh. and, and, and gets ordered based off of that ultimate reality. Philippians 2, every knee will bow. Yeah. You'll either bow willingly before you die or unwillingly <laughs> after you die. And even after you die, we'll still bow as new yeah. creations in Christ, but it's depend on our heart attitude and our, our salvation state. And also, who's that theologian, Brent, that said, I believe in God because... Oh, yeah, I think it's, I believe in God like I believe in the sun, because I see that, I see the sun, and by the sun's light, I see that everything else exists. Do you know that quote? I, I, I'm familiar with the quote, but I can't recall yeah, the name. Apologize, You're supposed audience. to feed me the answer, Oh, Paul. that's right. Oh, I forgot the envelopes. You're back in the vault in New York yeah, City. <laughs> you're tapping your foot or whatever. I couldn't, <laughs> I right. couldn't see it. Yep. Uh, well, it, w- what we're getting at here and what we want to uh, describe is that we desperately need God's special revelation. Yes. We need to know him and not to guess what is God like mm-hmm. in our own. Because often, and this is what, I mean, frankly, all other religions who kind of get this sense of there is something bigger, many are portraying God in our image. Uh, yes. 
And so we then see God as uh, through legalistic lens or through a vindictive or through a harshness or or whatever other Mm -hmm. things. Secular humanism does the same thing. It's like we're sort of putting all of life into bearing our image rather than the other way around. Mm -hmm. What we need to recognize is that we desperately need God. Mm -hmm. And in order to know him, he and his grace has chosen to make himself known in ways that stand outside of us. Yes. They're objective realities, and we come in contact with those. Mm-hmm. And that's how we know God. And so we don't conjure it up from within. We experience it from without. So you're saying he did give us the answers. Yes, he, he did. He gave us the answers, and it's not a scandal. <laughs> it's the ultimate. <laughs> it's, the only, it's, the only time, it's the only time it's not a scandal is when God gives you the answer. That's the right. Objective truth, mm-hmm. I, I guess. I don't know. There's our <laughs> quiz show reference quiz show. again. Anyway, so special revelation. How do we understand this? Well, um, they're, they're, we're going to talk particularly about Scripture today, but before we get into that, I just want to make sure that we understand when we say special revelation in the biggest sense. When we look at what has happened across history, God has revealed himself particularly or specially through uh, direct address to people. Mm-hmm. People have actually audibly heard the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Moses being a primary among them. Exactly. Um, through angelic messengers mm-hmm. or, re- or, or or something of the sort. So there's there's spokespeople, mm-hmm. either angelic messengers or prophets, mm-hmm. who have a message directly from God that they give to people. Uh, there's also uh, the words of Scripture, things that were written down in terms of the accounts in the Old Testament and New Testament. And then the ultimate of particular special revelation is Jesus himself. Amen. It is God revealing himself mm-hmm. to us in the flesh, human, fully human, fully God, walking this earth, speaking God's very words to us, but then also mm-hmm. living and breathing and acting in ways that are manifesting the character of God in living reality. That's right. Here's a great verse that summarizes that entire history of God's revelation. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. That's Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. And that's a wonderful both and. We as Christians do not throughout the Old Testament because it's it's archaic and not relevant. We actually, Jesus said himself, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill the law. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And so the pinnacle special revelation is Jesus himself. But Mm -hmm. the reason why we're going to talk about the scriptures primarily for our episode is that what is um, these special revelations of God speaking, God giving direction to messengers, God revealing himself, particularly through Jesus, these are all recorded in the canon of scripture. And so our uh, our body of knowledge about God's special revelation is, God has gifted to us a record at, that is his very words to us mm-hmm. that are the direct speech. It's also the record of history. It's all the ways that he's acted. It's all the ways that he has been moving through history. We see the the word is God's uh, particular way that he has revealed what he wants us to know about him and about who we are and about how to be saved. That's right. Yeah. In fact, I, I like... The late Chuck Colson once said that um, all the Bible is true, but not all the truth is in the Bible. In other words, it doesn't show you how to make a ship, you know, other than maybe Noah's Ark. Uh, But we we can't know, like, it doesn't show us how to make a cell phone or or how to use a cell phone. But everything that was sufficient for salvation and right living is in the Word of God for all eternity. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of those characteristics of Scripture here in a moment. But one of the passages that 
we talked last time was Psalm 19. Mm-hmm. And in our last episode, we read the first few verses of Psalm 19 that talk about general revelation, about how the uh, day after day, the, 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 the heavens are declaring the glory of God. They're, night after night, they're, they're, they're pouring forth speech. They're, they're glorifying the Lord. And so we can see who he is. The second half of Psalm 19, this is why it's one of the best uh, passages of Scripture. Psalm 19, um, first half talks about how we see God in creation. The second half talks about his special revelation through his word. And listen to these words, Yes. okay, starting in verse 7 of Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm. All of them are righteous. And then hear these. They are more precious than gold, Mm -hmm. than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Mm. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. What is so beautiful about this psalm is it describes how God's particular special revelation through, as the psalmist, as David is writing about God's law, which is recorded in the Old Testament, but as God speaks to us, it is a revelation that is refreshing, it is making us wise, it's trustworthy, it gives joy to us, it it light to our eyes, Mm -hmm. it is pure and firm and it's righteous, it's good, it's it's better than all the wealth you could possibly imagine. Better than money. tastier than any food you could possibly taste. Yep. But the most important thing here is, is this, we talked about the subjective and the objective. Mm-hmm. Verse 12, who can discern their own errors? Ah, that's right. If you live in the pure subjective truth world, like if you want to do relativity, mm. you can't, you're not capable of discerning your own That's errors. right. Like myopic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you get uh, uh, self-focused. Uh, if it comes from within, you don't have a standard by which you're able to actually understand what's what's good, what's right, and what's wrong. So because God has revealed specially to us who he is, what who we are, what he desires of us, what it means to be saved, what the future of history is, that those things are 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 more important than any material thing, and we can't discern truth in and of ourselves. We need him, and we need what he said. He, we need him to speak into our lives through his word, and two plugs I'll give, encouraging yep. scriptural plugs. I love uh, Psalm 19, 11b, when it says, in keeping them there is great reward. That reminds me of one of the verses I shared at the end of episode 20, that Hebrews eleven six. 6, uh, we need to believe that God rewards those who seek him. So yeah. there is a reward, which ultimately it's eternal rewards, but then Randy Alcorn writes even further about rewards, which is the doctrine about the incentive to act and to be sanctified and and to pursue the Lord. But the other big plug I'm going to give, I love Psalm 19 and Mm -hmm. another number reference. Mm -hmm. You add 100 to that, it's Psalm 119. If you want to dig deep, or deeper, I should say, into the objectivity of God's Word and the beauty of God's Word, that's 176 verses, all but, I believe, Uh three verses. So like 174 verses, 173, are all about the beauty of the Word of the Lord and things like, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it, 
according to your word and revive me according to your word. And your word is a lamp to my feet and a yes. light to my path. Yes. So Psalm 19 is a wonderful taste of that, juxtaposing the creation with God's revealed word. Yep. And then Psalm 19 goes like into a crash course of the objectivity of God's word and the beauty and the, the pricelessness over money yes. and the tastefulness over any of the best food you can possibly taste. Yeah. Psalm 119 is incredible. Spend, I don't know, a week in devotional study of yes. that and you will be enriched. What's so cool about that Psalm? It's an acrostic poem using yes. the Hebrew alphabet. The 22 letters of the Hebrew yep. alphabet. And so what's amazing about that is the psalmist is portraying poetically how God's special revelation is total. Yes. Yes. It encompasses the entire alphabet. It mm. encompasses all that could be said. Yes. It encompasses uh, in terms of truth, in terms of um, how do we know what is right. It it, it, it covers everything. Mm -hmm. And so I just love that, that it's got this sense of completeness. And each of the 22 stanzas, uh, I believe, are eight verses, and each first Hebrew letter of those eight verses start with the same Hebrew letter. So yeah. in English, it'd be like A, 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 A to eight. And then the 22nd would be whatever the 20, I guess yeah. it'd be um, Omega, wouldn't it? Omega would be the, uh, no, that's be Greek. Greek. Yep, that, yep. What's the last word in the Hebrew? Oh, language? now you're going to oh, quiz sorry. me. Come on, you're supposed to feed me the answers. <laughs> that's right. Never uh, mind. Okay, but nonetheless, the acrostic <laughs> is a wonderful thing that's deep that we don't understand unless we've done Hebrew or in Brent's case, 15 years ago did Hebrew. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, when you study the word of God, uh, it's a uh, deep, uh, limitless, fathomless, wonderful treasure yep. trove of truth that we can guide our lives by. Yeah, that's so true. So... Okay, so that's one key passage that helps us understand that. Now, let's dive a little deeper into some topics of a doctrine of Scripture. Like, mm -hmm. how do we understand biblical truth? Well, there's um, th th one of the keys to letting our, I guess, our, our trust really be in God's written word as it reveals the living word, Jesus Christ, and everything that points to him, the ultimate special revelation, is to understand how Scripture is inspired by mm -hmm. God. Yes. And a classic passage for that is 2 Timothy chapter 3, mm -hmm. and going into in the beginning of chapter 4 too, but the end of chapter 3 in 2 Timothy. And um, the passage is foundational as Paul is mentoring his young pastor, Timothy, and for him to understand what it means to uh, see uh, God's Word in, in, a, in, in the local church and how it, God uses um, what He has communicated to us in a special way uh, in Timothy's own life, and then how he has... Uh, how he serves. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll back up a couple uh, verses. The real one we want to focus on is verse 16 but, and 17, but here uh, Paul describes how this impacted Timothy. Verse 14, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Mm -hmm. Man, that is so good. And we know from this, other, this letter that Timothy learned the Scriptures from infancy from his mother and grandmother. Mm -hmm. And family, I mean, the household, primary place by which we need to be bathed in Scripture mm -hmm. and talking about God's Word... But we see Timothy then being encouraged to say, okay, you know that these scriptures make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. Here's the, what the nature of scripture is. It is God-breathed. Mm -hmm. 
it's a we talked about this a couple you know a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning. Yes, that term "God breathed" is a new term that call that that Paul uh, coined. Mm. He he probably most people think he made up the word. I mean, oh, he just wow. said, "There's nothing like God's word. There's nothing like Scripture." So, what word will I use to describe it? It's God breathed. He took the word for God and the word for. Oh, like the yeah. word for breath, mm-hmm. at, to 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 uh, expel air, yes. and he just said, "I'm going to make a new word." God breathed, and so it is inspired, or you could even say, like, um, breathed out. Like I don't know if expired is the right way to say it, yeah. but you know what I mean. It's, yep. it's mm-hmm. God in who He is, who we are, what what He desires of us, what it means to be saved. All those things we've been describing, He has breathed out the very words that He wants us to know, mm-hmm. and. Um, they are recorded in the Holy Scriptures. Yes. And it's just so beautiful. And then he goes on to say it's useful for all these things, which are community-based, really. Like you you teach and admonish and you correct in relationship in the church. And so he's putting it in the context of the church. It's just a beautiful passage. And the God-breathed nature of his word is as literal as when God breathed into Adam and became yes. a living being, and Jesus breathed on the disciples yeah. upon his resurrection, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's yep. the same breath. And uh, of course, God's breathed the scripture is not literal in a physical sense but it's just as real. Yeah. I, we were talking about this. I'll give a little shout out to Terry Smansky. At, yeah. when, after, after, our, um, after I was preaching on this passage, he, he said, it occurred to me as I was thinking about that, that in the Garden of Eden, you look at, at, at what it says about that in Genesis, that um, Adam and Eve, uh, they, at the fall, when sin, the curse of sin, and they're, and they're, they're turning away from God, they became both uh, spiritually dead and physically dead. Oh, yes. Like God had breathed life into them, and there's a sense of, okay, death is now the reality. Mm -hmm. It's a reality physically, but it's also the reality spiritually. That's right. And he says that through Jesus, is it Terry's connection? He said, through Jesus, we've become alive spiritually. Yes. But we will also be resurrected to be alive eternally, physically. That's awesome. And so it's all restored. That's right. Like, how cool is that? So how do we know this life-giving revelation of who God is and what he has done for us. Well, we know it through his word as it testifies to Jesus. Yes. All the scriptures testifying to who Jesus is. That's and right. And how to be saved. And you alluded briefly to the canon that you did address in the Q&A recently after a Sunday service sermon, and uh, that is how we know, and that was what, 300, the Council, was it the Council of Trent or the Council of Nicaea? That, yeah, it's the early ones, uh, Chalcedon and Nicaea, and there's yes. a few others that are third and fourth century. Yes. Um, there's a the, the canon of scripture really was formed, and and, and we, we use a specific term there, recognized. Yes. That I asked this question on that Sunday. Yeah, I remember this. <laughs> yeah, what's the question? Well, I think you said, uh, who eventually decided the canon? Yeah. I think something yeah. Like, and you said, God did. Yep, yeah. Who 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 decided the canon, or who who determined the canon? Mm-hmm. And it, it, God did, but That's right. we, rec- we understand and we see that early church was recognizing as the Holy Spirit was guiding and directing them that these particular writings were special, that mm-hmm. they had God's hand upon them, that the Holy Spirit had used these human authors in order to write his very words. Kind of like who wrote Second Timothy? God did. Yeah. Through Paul. Yes. And so, but but Paul's humanity, Paul himself is not obliterated in that. He's, a, he's doing his thing, That's writing right. a letter. And so his personality, his grammar, all the various things about him are still seen in that letter, but it is God's very words. God superintended that. So what the term we use for that is verbal inspiration. Yes. So, yes, the scriptures are God-breathed, but when we say verbally inspired, which is what, it's in our statement of faith, uh, it means that 
the the words of the text, but also the meaning of the text are both what God wanted to say and mm-hmm. has communicated to us. And so um, even the very words themselves can be studied. The grammar of the words, the mm-hmm. historical context, yes. all those various things are, because that's exactly what God wanted, Every down mm-hmm. to every dotted I. Mm-hmm. Then the meaning behind them, the meaning that is communicated about himself, about us, about our whole world, about Jesus, um, is exactly what he wanted as well. And that's yes. what we mean by that, by inspiration. Another, speaking of inspiring, when I was a young college student, really letting the word of God come alive and, and the Lord saving me in either a new way or, or, or a final... A, a, initial way, but I believe I'll say probably as a high schooler, uh, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus yeah. said that I was right in my little red Bible I got from University Christian Fellowship. And as a young Christian, again, whether I was saved at 14 or 18, I don't know. I'll just say that really sunk deep into my soul that that's how eternal the word of God is that even the heaven and earth itself will not outlast the very word of God. And by his grace and by our wonderful blessed hope, he's going to restore that new heaven and new earth, which we hit on a lot in this podcast. Yep. But what is a better hope than to know that we're going to get, like Terry Samansky said, we're going to be restored in our flesh and in our spirit forever. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I look forward to it so much. So do I. <laughs> Well, okay. So we, we, what impact does this make? And you know, we're. I want to talk a little application, um, but I also want to define a couple more key terms. Yes. So we'll get, we'll get to that in a moment. The the application. Um, something we we did talk about recently, also on a Sunday, is when we describe the doctrine of Scripture, we we desperately need, as I've said before, we long for and need God's particular revealing of who He is and what He's done. Mm-hmm. We need to know who we are. We need to know what it means to be created on purpose for a purpose. Mm-hmm. We need to know what sin is. We need to describe all of the various ways that we can relate uh, through Christ to to a holy God. Um, but we do that now because we have his words in our hands. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you, friends, how much a privilege it is yes. to have the Bible on your lap, in your hand, carried around with you, to have some of us have dozens of copies. I yes. mean, it's like it were that at your fingertips is an unbelievable privilege at yes. this point in history for us. I mean, it, there, it's one of the reasons why the church yes. is so important to be a gathered people. Yep. There's lots of reasons, but one of them is that early on in the church, there was often only one copy. That's right. And sometimes in the whole city. So you went to go hear wow. the word of God read aloud. Yes. And it's the only way you could get it. There, it was hard to get a copy. You had to either write it by hand. And sometimes there's other copying techniques, uh, but until the printing press, it was hard to do. Wow. You couldn't have your own. So, uh, there's of course, there's lots of reasons, like I said, why the church is a gathered um, body. Yes. But one of them is that we read these words of God that we so desperately need day by day, mm-hmm. that we read them aloud in our midst as a community, mm-hmm. because we need these words to stand under the authority of what God has revealed and that that is actually a life-giving fountain. It is so... De- we're, we need to be desperate for it. Life-giving fountain, and ironically, it is bathed in the blood of those who brought us the word, not yeah. only the authors of the word, most of whom were martyred, but also to bring it down through the ages. And even right now, if it's not bad to name drop, I believe it's in North Korea, you can be put to death for owning a Bible yeah. right now in 2023. There's a number of places. Yeah, around of course. There's many, the many. World That's the first that are... it comes to my mind. Yeah. But, uh, when you said, I'm so glad you brought up the preciousness of God's word, Brent, because we often 
uh, we, I say as a people, hopefully not the listeners, because we are to be going hard after the Lord every day. But if your Bible is gathering dust, or if you think you've learned enough through Sunday school, or even merely through hearing the preaching, we need to be in the Word every day. Go back to Psalm 119. If you read just eight verses a day, that might take two minutes, even if you're a slow reader like me. But you need to be in God's Word every day and hearing it in podcasts and and, and hearing it in the sermons, sharing it with your friends, sharpening each other as iron sharpens iron. So it is precious and it is costly. Yes, it's true. And why it's so necessary is that through the words of these, uh, the biblical uh, accounts in your scriptures, you will encounter God. Yes, there's power. Yes, because Jesus is the Word made flesh. Yes. It's, it does have this layer of what God has revealed and spoken is ultimately, in a pinnacle sense, revealed in Jesus himself. And so if you want to know Jesus, if you want communion with God, one of the prime ways, I mean, we talk about prayer and mm-hmm. there's fellowship with other believers. There's there's lots of ways in which we uh, commune with the, with the Lord, mm-hmm. <laughs> but primarily prayer and the Word, yes. because in those ways you are speaking directly with God, no mediator necessary. You have right. direct access to the Holy of Holies through Jesus' Amen. blood and with the Holy Spirit in you when you're a believer, when you trust in Jesus by faith. But in the Word of God, you have His very self communicated, revealed, shared with you, sitting in your hands, like being able to, to commune with Him through what He has spoken. Now, not that we worship the Bible. No, correct. Because it's, yes. not the God, it's not the fourth part of the Godhead, but because we can know God by these words that He has given us. Yeah, when Wendy was going to walk down the aisle 30 years ago when we got married, we sang, And Can It Be, yeah. the glad a cappella version, and I love that. We want to do it here at church sometime when I get a mixed quartet. But I love this verse that just reminded me when you were talking about approaching the Lord. This is Hebrews 4.16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And yeah. uh, the song goes, Boldly I come before your throne yep. to claim your mercy immense and free. Mm-hmm. I love, And I love I love it, Brent, when in the sermons, sermons you often quote old hymns, and it makes me say, let's let's do that, let's sing this thing, because there's so much richness to yeah. that, putting scripture to music, but also putting it to your heart so it changes you, yeah. and that's what we do when we read Word of God. And by the way, another plug, when I was a young Christian uh, struggling with consistency in the Word of God, uh, some of the sagest advice I could receive, and I receive this often, read it whether you feel like it or not. It doesn't have to be just uh, mm. wrote and, and and a desert, but don't read it just because the mood strikes you or let the Holy Spirit go through the stages and you open it up. You need to read as systematically as possible so that you trust the Lord, even in Chronicles and even in some of the much harder, difficult to understand passages, the Spirit will enlighten your eyes even to what He needs you to hear that day. You don't need to understand all of Scripture to be benefited by all of Scripture. Yes, and I'll say as a as an application here also to uh, challenge you listeners, my prayer is that you would become desperate Yes, for God's word to hear from him, to commune with him, but mm. that you'd also be desperate to talk with him mm-hmm. as you pray. Yes. And uh, whatever means, I, often God uses difficulty to draw us into desperation. Yes. Sometimes he uses other means and 
But I know that what God desires of each of us is that we would long to be with him, to know him, and to hear from him, and to speak to him, and to, to plead with him, to repent, to, to be in fellowship with him. And his very words are here. That's right. And we have this such a beautiful uh, a picture of, of, of him through his word and through uh, our, our time in prayer that, that we can know him and be, and be known by him. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for yeah. you, O God. Psalm 42, 1. I love that desperate prayer, Brent, you just said for our listeners and primarily of whom are at New Life Church in our congregation mm-hmm. here in Hastings, that we should long for him. And if you don't long for him, pray for the desire. Yeah. Lord, help me to long for you. That's okay. Yeah. It's okay to admit to the Lord, I'm a little dry right now, Lord, and I'm not sure I understand this. And I'm maybe a little mad at you for this to happen over here or whatever disappointment you had. Run to your heavenly father instead of away yeah. when life disappoints you, which is almost every single day. Yeah. That's really our, our desire, and and I think what what we what I desire for our church or for those who I mean for a whole community for people around this whole world that we would feel that deep sense of desire to be with the Lord, to know Him, yes, and that 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 we'd crave it, and it's and again I think sometimes when we talk let's just be honest we talk a little bit of doctrine of scripture we talk about how we know God through the Word it can easily turn into a I feel guilty that I'm not reading enough yes. It goes so quickly into legalism, and I'll tell you why. It's because Satan wants to beat you over the head with legalism, because that's one way he gets you away from grace, away from the gospel, away from actually enjoying and Mm -hmm. loving God through his word, is that you treat it as a rote thing that I feel burdened that I have to do. That isn't life-giving. It's not what God intended. Mm -hmm. And so our desire and prayer... Uh, is that in 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 God's word you would find that your soul genuinely is refreshed, mm-hmm. as Psalm nineteen says. Yeah, and another analogy, if I may, it's uh, it's analogous. Uh, our relationship with the Lord through His Word, but also through prayer and through longing for Him, is analogous to a marriage. Because mm-hmm. the way you with Sarah or me with Wendy, the way we grow to love our wives more is to spend time with them. Yeah. Even if we don't feel like it, or, and again, I'm just, I'll speak for myself. How about that? Uh, even if <laughs> I have my goal, I want to get my last wordle puzzle clue. I want to get my Bible reading in. I want to go play with our cat chip. I want to go running, whatever. But if I don't prioritize sitting down with Wendy and letting an open-ended conversation on our porch or wherever in the car without a podcast playing, which is mm-hmm. my penchant, uh, then we are not going to grow in our depth of relationship. It's just yep. going to be a cohabitation, even though we've been married 30 years, and it's not going to be a growing, vibrant, living relationship. We need to be intentional and we need to be available for each other. And I believe that is an earthly example of how the Lord longs for us to be as yeah. we're engaged to him, because in fact, we are the bride of Christ. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. So I, you know, I think as we, as we wrap up talking about relative truth to biblical truth, our, our desire, and I, I think as we, I hope that you've gotten a, a sense of the weightiness or the, the, the longing, that desire to be with God and to know him, because if you live in the relative truth realm, if you want to go down the subjectivity route, you'll find a dead end there yes. of a lack of fulfillment, a lack of understanding. You'll find yourself confused and lonely and yes. separated from the very revelation that you need in order to understand God and who you are and everything. And so... Come back to the well. Yes. Which is come take a drink of the living water, Jesus Amen. Christ, mm-hmm. who will satisfy. Yes. The one who is the manna from heaven, the true manna. That's the right. bread, the bread of life. John four, John six, right yes. there, two passages. And and he you can commune with him and know him, and he 
will reveal himself to you through his word as the Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus Christ by revealing who God is through what God has spoken. Mm -hmm. And God has spoken particularly through Jesus as revealed in God's word. You can know him and be known and be in right relationship with God. And you'll find that when you go down the objective truth side, when Mm -hmm. when you embrace that reality, you will find that the source of all of that truth is a personal God who loves you. Amen. And he's made a way for you to know him. That's right. And to be in communion with him and to be with him forever. That's because right. He can, he's forgiven you by Christ's blood. And so trust in him, seek objective truth, but know that the truth giver is God and that everything points to him. All that is good, all that is true, all that is beautiful, and that it is all centered on Christ and you can know him through his word, and we pray that you have that desire. Amen. Yes, he's the promise keeper, the promise maker, and he's the redeemer and the restorer of all things. This will wrap up episode 21 of Roots and Branches. We're so glad you joined us to listen. We pray you'll continue to listen. Pray for our church as the Roots and Branches campaign heats up in the summer of 2023. I'm Paul Unterberg with Pastor Brent Cumberland. Have a beautiful, God-blessed day.